Like twin sons on a womp rat's tail, welcome back to the Tumbling Saber podcast, everybody. I'm Kyle. I'm Murray. I am Nathan. Welcome back, everybody. It's been a great week for Star Wars fans, particularly the three of us sitting at this table today. It's been a really fun week. I can't wait to talk about all this stuff. Uh, We're going to be talking about books and a little bit of Bad Batch this week. And if you're a reader of Star Wars, uh, the last little while has been a lot of fun. Uh, But we're going to get into all this stuff. Can't wait to do it. But first we catch up. Marie, how are things going in your world? They are great. Um, Luckily, this isn't Star Wars related, but um, work has picked up. So that's really nice. People are coming back to our museum. Um, So I have been a busy, busy bee (laughs) recently. Um, Star Wars wise... What have I, I, I've gone back to Victory's Price, so I'm working on, I'm working back through that, um, and I'm enjoying it, so maybe I just needed a break, and then coming back to it, so. <laughs> yeah, because you were not very, like, you, were, you weren't very amped up about that novel at first. No, I, I just, there's so many characters, like, so many names thrown around, instead of it being like, this sergeant blah 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 it like gives him a name and so i'm like how much of this do i need to know (laughs) (laughs) do you feel any additional pressure as you're reading it to memorize it for trivia purposes yes (laughs) so there's that little level of anxiety that's mixed into it that oh god all these names all these places oh oh, no how am i going to retain all this do i need to take notes do i need to read this chapter again oh god yeah and so I recently started listening to non-Star Wars audiobooks because it gives me my brain a break because I don't have to remember every little thing about what happens, mm-hmm. which yeah. has been nice. That That is important. And, you know, from time to time, I, I try to mention it, that I take a break from Star Wars and, you know, slide something else in there. Like uh, Nathan will agree that, you know, x-men or batman or whatever it is that you want to slide in there just to get your brain into in a different mode for a bit and thinking about a different world it's yeah. it, it's good it's it, it's a good healthy thing i think just to not be in star wars all the time yeah, yeah. so nathan how are things over in newfoundland good uh we're good we we kind of just opened started opening up uh in the last month so uh, things are going good. Case numbers are down as far as COVID goes. So lots of getting out, lots of going. And as far as Star Wars goes, you know, the usual. I actually just finished listening to Shadowfall uh, earlier nice. last, this week. So because I was waiting for my copy of uh, um, <laughs> the third one. No, no, no. Uh, High Republic. Oh, the- <laughs> <laughs> there's almost a bit of shame oh, no. in your voice that you- I do- I don't have it in- right in front of me, and now it's just gone. What's the book? What Kevin Scott? Rising Storm. Rising Storm. Okay, I, you, I, you own I it. Got it's just it misplaced. Exact- I got it the exact same time that you said it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I-, I was waiting for my copy to show up, so that was what I was doing while I was waiting for for rising storm to show up uh yeah so started rising storm uh 
not not even a quarter of the way through it yet, I don't think, because it's just this week has been crazy for other reasons. But uh yeah. That bad batch, of course, which we'll talk about. Um I think that's about all Star Wars wise. A light week. Well let's let's pause for just one second. Marie, do you have your copy of Rising Storm? Or have you already finished it? No, I have not finished it because um, <laughs> I'm trying to focus on finishing Victory's Price. Okay. Um, I yes, I I own all of the uh, novels that have been released in the past couple months, but I haven't gotten to them yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I picked up my copy of Rising Storm last weekend, and I, I you know I'm like three chapters in or so, and of course you know it, it's it sounds very promising. And everything I've read about it is, you know, the, the online sort of praise for it is just over the top. But as as I'm getting into it, it feels seamless with Light of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of reinforces this idea. And I wanted to bring this up just for, you know, for people who are listening who, uh, you know, I, I would have loved to have gotten into, you know, uh, the High Republic. But it's, you know, with the comics and the middle grade novels, there's there's too much and I, I'll, it, there's too much FOMO. And I'll, you know, I'll hmm. miss out on too much if I don't read it all. You, yeah. You really don't. Like, you can just yeah. stick with, uh, you know, the adult novels. Air quotes, adult novels. And you won't miss anything. You'll miss events, of course. But by and large, you'll get the big picture and a big dose yeah. of it, too. Like, it just felt seamless. It felt like I wasn't really being cheated out of anything. Yeah, huh. I'd agree. Um, maybe with the exception of that stupid spider ship, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, th- I just checked. I'm, I'm just about to start chapter 16 and, uh, like what I've read so far, it's real good. It, nice. It, but there's like 74 chapters or something. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it, it, let me just see. 76 chapters before the end credits. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think they made it a wow. decision because I, I don't know if Light of the Jedi was the same, but I feel like um, a lot of the chapters in that book were, were short. And I think that... Oh, yeah. Uh, like, I'm looking at one now that's, like, chapter 41 is 2 minutes 56 seconds. But it's just, like, you know, that usually you're used to, you know, 20-odd, 30-odd chapters. But yeah, it's like seventy-six. <laughs> I wonder if they've made it a choice at editorial to sort of shorten the 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 chapters so that people can take more bite-sized pieces out of it instead of like starting a chapter and oh Jesus, chapters twenty-five pages. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's it is all you are jumping around from character to character um, a lot more, I think, than even Light of the Jedi was. Um, it seems like that's the way Kevin wrote the book. Kevin Scott wrote the book is, you know, you're talking and and it's, it's varies wildly. And uh, you could be following Elzar man, and then you'll jump straight to Marcian row. And it's, you know, wow. It's, but Marcian's up to some sketchy shit. I can tell you. He's not a nice guy. it gets kind of wild, I will say. It's, whoo. 
Yeah, wave, wave one, phase two. That's just it, <laughs> I don't know how deep this goes, but holy cow, it's it's been it's been it's been a blast so far. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah I have to say it, this could have been wildly disappointing, and I am happy that it's exceeding expectations. Yeah, because I think we right. came into it sort of with with um, fairly high expectations. Yeah, and. They've been met and surpassed. Yeah, at least, yeah. at least from my perspective, and that that goes across the board. Um, you know, the comics have been quite good, I find, mm-hmm. and um, the books have been just at least at least Light of the Jedi might be my favorite Star Wars book, at least since the new canon started. No, mm-hmm. and I mean, Rising Storm might surpass it. I don't know; it's too early for me to say, but. It's 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 just been really really satisfying to read this stuff. Yeah, Light Light of the Jedi was like one of the complaints, common complaints that I'm sure we all heard was that the the cast was so big that it was hard to keep characters straight. But I have to say, going into Rising Storm, I'm surprised at how acclimated I've become to the cast and how yeah easy that's become to to navigate the new cast and it's um yeah it's so far it's a lot of fun do you find yourself like when they jump and this is another interesting question to ask marie as a trivia hound when you're thinking when they go to a character and you try to get them bring up the mental picture of that character like oh god what species were they what do they the, just the general visual of that character in your head? Like mm. I, I still struggle with that. I'm like, who is this person? Who? Oh man! And like, there's this picture somewhere out there online of like all the the Jedi and their masters. It's like, oh, uh, okay. There's Indira oh, yeah. Stokes. Oh yeah, the infographic. Yeah. It's like, okay, <laughs> there's that character now. Okay, got it. <laughs> I find myself struggling with that all the time. Marie, do you find yourself in that spot, or are you good at sort of? having that well, visual dictionary i mean it helps reading all the comics and reading the children's books because the children's books are you know giant images with a few words and then the and they're basically adaptations of the adult novels at least sections of them and then the comics you know at least some of the characters are there and so you get visuals of them um and they've been bringing in characters, you know, they're starting to, I'm a little bit behind on the High Republic comics, but they're starting to bring in characters from like the young adult novels into the comics and that kind of thing. So that helps for sure. And I definitely, I mean, it, it kind of depends on the author's method of description because for example, there was one character, and now I'm blanking on her name, in Resistance Reborn that was a, um, a like ex-Imperial become warlord, and her description was so vivid that I could see her and wanted a Funko Pop of her. <laughs> like, I, it was just so good. So if, uh, So it just depends on how well the author is at description. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Anyway, 
All that to say that if you are still thinking about High Republic and ah, do I dip in or not? I do it. You don't worry about consuming all of it. Just yeah. get jump in with a novel and stick sort of with that main line of novels. And if you want to go deeper, go deeper. But yeah, it's it's totally worth it, especially as we sort of sit and wait for the movies and the live action stuff to really pick up. Yeah, at least do yourself the favor of giving Light of the Jedi a shot. At least like start there and see if see if you want to continue after that. And and one of the other things is uh Rising Storm is set a year after the great disaster. Oh. So uh the stuff that's going on in the comics right now is actually proceeding, you know, we're still getting stories coming out that are set before Rising Storm. So the things that are going on in in, in the High Republic comics, it's uh, you know, there might I I haven't noticed any so far in my reading, but there could be some teases of things that might be coming in the comics in Rising Storm and I presumably uh raced crash point. Yeah, but and that's all it is though, right? A tease. Yeah. It's 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 not going to impact your experience really at all. And unless you're one mm-hmm. of those people that just loves to see that sort of seed planted early, but that's such a fleeting momentary thing. Like, oh cool. And it goes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we will uh we'll do another episode in the future, you know, once we've caught up on the comics and the books and just have another High Republic roundtable sort of chat and see where where we're at and where the story's pointing and see how wrong we were with in our last episode where we talked about it. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, the news of the week on the print side of things where, um, you know, last week we, we saw Star Wars Visions, a, a teaser sizzle reel for it. Uh, and now that we've learned, now we've learned a, a spinoff novel is in the works as well. Uh, Star Wars Ronin, a Visions novel by Emma Miko Kandon coming October 12th. This thing sounds cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. A mysterious former Sith wanders the galaxy in this stunning Star Wars tale, an original novel inspired by the world of the duel from the Star Wars Visions animated anthology. The Jedi are the most loyal servants of the Empire. Two decades ago, Jedi clans clashed in service to feuding lords. Sickened by this endless cycle, a sect of Jedi rebelled, seeking to control their own destiny and claim power in service of no master. They called themselves Sith. The Sith Rebellion failed, succumbing to infighting and betrayal, and once the rival lords unified to create an empire, but even an empire at peace is not free from violence. Far on the edge of the Outer Rim, one former Sith wanders, accompanied only by a faithful droid and the ghost of a less civilized age. He carries a lightsaber but claims no lineage to no Jedi clan and pledges allegiance to no lord. Little is known about him, including his name, for he never speaks of his past nor his regrets. His history is as guarded as the red blade of destruction he carries sheathed at his side. As the galaxy's perpetual cycle of violence continues to interrupt his self-imposed exile, and he is forced to duel an enigmatic bandit claiming the title of Sith, it becomes clear that no amount of wandering will ever let him outpace the specters of his former life. This is super intriguing. Marie, what were your thoughts on this? Um, so couple things. One, so are we to understand that there are two empires? There's like a Jedi Empire and a Sith Empire. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, the Jedi's being servants to the Empire, and then that Empire falls apart, and then another Empire forms? I don't know. So I'm a, I'm a little confused about that, but overall, at first my reaction was, you know, well, dang, it's not canon. But then I just thought about this. One of my absolute favorite TV shows is Sliders, where they slide to different um, alternative parallel universes of Earth. So, like, the idea of alternate Star Wars universes is actually incredibly intriguing. Hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, for, like, as long as, I, I'm okay to, st- to to get into this kind of thing. Like, keep it a novel, keep it sort of, like, out of the continuity. Like, I, I hope we never do, like, a multiverse thing <laughs> in, in live-action Star Wars. But to do it here... And a book, and it's you know designated as sort of like this visions anthology thing, right? I'm all for it. Like this, it, this takes so many things we know about Star Wars and the lore of it, and just twists it around in a, in a really crazy way. Nathan, what did you think of this synopsis? Well, I mean, my first thought was, if we're doing this, why can't we bring back legends? You know, nah. it's, uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean this is just so um so out there. Like in terms of like it's just so different from our understanding of Star Wars and the story of Star Wars and the and the universe of Star Wars that it's 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 kind of hard to wrap your your head around. Um it's just it's just so different, you know, like like Marie was saying, you know, is it is it two empires like do the Jedi yeah, it's it's. Um, I think it's fascinating, and I think it's really cool. Um, I I kind of just have to wait. I can't think about it. I kind of just have to yeah. wait for it to come out, see the TV show, and then read the novel. You know, and I feel like the the watching the that episode of the show will give us a lot more context and and sort of ease us into that that yeah. world yeah right. um but yeah i mean uh, the high republic is already such a huge paradigm shift that mm. is, I, I already have two kind of star wars worlds to keep in my head at one time so mm. <laughs> trying to trying to take a third in at the moment <laughs> is a bit much but uh yeah i'm 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 excited um probably not as excited as hackerson but I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. I'm sure Dave fell out of his chair when he saw this. I mean, he, oh, yeah. he fell once out of his chair when he saw the the trailer. No, he, yeah. this, he probably fell out of his chair when he first learned that Visions was going to be a thing. And then fell He probably again. hadn't gotten back in the chair yet. He just throws, he just throw the chair out. <laughs> Standing desk only for Dave now. <laughs> and yeah, this, this, this is right up his street. And I, I, I hope he, he's, he's hoping that they see it in, in sort of Japanese as well. I hope for his sake that they do that. Yeah. It makes sense. I would, you would think, but yeah, like it, it almost feels like you need to sort of empty your head of what you know about star Wars. Yeah. Like right. it, it almost seems to be borrowing the names and then putting them in entirely different roles. Yeah. Like, you know, Jedi in service to the empire is sort of relatable, but then like, 
you know, just just like the the, the, whole, the whole there's like a whole. I mean, we're talking about, we're not talking about like thousands of years of history. That's like two decades ago, Jedi clans, you know, clashing. Like mm-hmm. it's it, it's this thing is not burdened by, you know, millennia of Jedi history here. Yeah, and it's 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 just yeah, it's it's really strange. Like, you know, Jedi, you know, basically being you know, reimagined as actual samurai. Like we know that there's hints of it in, in the OT as, as George envisioned it, but this is really I, making them actual samurai. Yeah. Well, it's funny that the, like one of the biggest things after this dropped was, you know, everybody on Twitter saying a lightsaber sheath. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of like, funny. um, Old Maul when he's on Malachor, like he had his yeah. lightsaber was like a big walking stick, right? Yeah, and just the, the top just, snapped out of it. It's just so funny how such you know, sort of a small thing like that can sort of like blow your mind. Like you know, like I'd never even considered a lightsaber having a sheath before. You know, well, I just wonder what the yeah. point of it is. <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, I think it's it's just you know the aesthetic. Yeah, it's, it's purely but, that. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I'm I'm excited for this. Very much so. Yeah, like you know, you, you see them so the Jedi sort of getting you know sick of, of serving the Empire, and then a bunch of them start fighting with one another, and just you mm-hmm. know, the, the sort of the, the impression I get here of the Sith is way different than the Sith we see in actual canon. Mm-hmm. Like this guy does not sound like a terrible person. No, he, and it, his it doesn't seem like he's trying to do Sith things. Like he's just out there trying to get away from his past. But he doesn't sound like mm-hmm. he's like this power crazed. Uh, I don't know conquest look you know, person. He's just sort of hanging out. Just wants to be by himself. So there's. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get a big sort of redefining of what Jedi and Sith is. At least in this this little micro world, uh, I'm looking forward to the take for sure. And you know, I, I like sort of like they, they they sort of say you know he's haunted by ghosts of a less civilized age, which is just sort of completely flipping Obi Wan being haunted by ghosts of a more civilized age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that you know, that yeah. that's really interesting too. And I yeah I I just. Now, I really want to see that episode now that it's going to spin out of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny that um, we're finally getting the Sith origin story we've been wanting, but it's an alternate history. So it's <laughs> not like, I think that's funny. They decided to go that route. <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll commit to it here, but not for real. <laughs> but it makes you, it makes you wonder like, they're so impressed with the the uh, the short film that's coming on this that they've already decided like let's spin this out into a novel. Yeah, I don't know mm-hmm. that it points to anything more than just that, but they're really like Lucasfilm being impressed enough to expand upon a story that nobody has seen yet. Like that's that's a level of confidence you don't see too often. Yeah. Yeah, it's this and Ryan Johnson, right? Yeah, that's what, to what say. I exactly. <laughs> that's that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's funny. Uh oh, oh no, we know that we know uh, what that means. 
Oh, the Ronan novel just got fired. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we're, we're still, we still don't know what happened to all those Mandalorian novels. <laughs> oh, true. Lord. Don't threaten them. They'll do it. <laughs> yeah. They got canceled. Oh, oh goodness. Because one thing got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I did notice in the, let me pull it up. Um, in the article on SarWars.com was something that is, was, I, I wasn't quite sure what it meant, but I was intrigued. Um, let's see. So the author was talking and said, um, a Star Wars movie made me get representation, and I've tried to honor that feeling in this book for my own sake and for other people. Besides being Japanese, I'm also a chronically ill queer cyborg, and all of that showed up in some regard. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I, I, yeah, I mean, she sounds like she's almost like tailor-made to write something weird in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I was like queer cyborg. That's really interesting. Um, <laughs> and like in Star Wars, they exist. Um, I've, I don't know what that means for someone on Earth. Yeah, I, I, when I read that at first, I'm like, wait, so, you're a cyborg? What is that? Wait a minute, she's just she's exaggerating something. She's not really a cyborg, is she? Well, I wonder, <laughs> does, does she have some sort of prosthetic? I yeah, that that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Which, to be honest, um, that's sort of something that we could use um, sort of disabled people with prosthetics uh, working in Star Wars a little more. Because sometimes Star Wars does this thing, does the more machine than man kind of thing, which, if we're not careful, can be really ableist. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. You know... The more machine the man thing is is can be really problematic if it's not handled correctly. And you know, you get into things like grievous and stuff, and and you can spin some of that stuff to be really, really good stuff um, from that perspective. But at the same time, there is a danger where that stuff can become really offensive. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, usually, usually it comes back around to like, yeah, the person who is kept alive by machines is still a human. There's still a person yeah. in there that, and you know, that's, yeah. that's sort of. And of course the there is <laughs> like, you know, just because someone loses limbs or, or whatever, it doesn't make them any less of a, any less of a human. It doesn't take away their humanity. Right. Uh, of, of course, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think it would be really a, a really good thing if, if more, Disabled people in general worked worked on Star Wars. Yeah, and this is you know this is a, 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 a point. Yeah, it's a good first step, or I don't know if it's the first step, but it's certainly a step. And we say this assuming that she is disabled. Well, I think she said that, didn't she? But, said chronically uh, ill and yeah, cyborg. Okay. So you know we're we're assuming that what cyborg means, but you know using. <laughs> In general, I'm just saying it would be good if that is the case to have more of it. 
Agreed. I agree. And it, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it says, but. Emma Miko Kandon has put together a synopsis for a book, a Legends book or non-canon book that has me interested. Like I, I would just outright reject anything that wasn't canon because I just don't have mm-hmm. time for all of it. But mm-hmm. this is something that I'm going to absolutely pick up and read and enjoy. And I'm uh, at least I'm pretty sure I'm going to enjoy it. But I'm at least going to give it a chance. Which uh, most of the time, I'm not even going to give it a look. So mm-hmm. right. hats off. Uh, to to, uh, to the author for that because um, I'm in I'm definitely in and I think a lot of people are going to be in there's there's something just very interesting about the concept of Ronin whether it's in Star Wars or otherwise just, mm-hmm. just the concept of, of like that lone wolf kind of character is is uh, a very popular sort of trope so I am I am looking forward to this a hundred percent All right, uh, let's hop over to the comics for a sec. Let's go into War of the Bounty Hunters. I don't think we've spoken about this at all since it's kicked off. Maybe we spoke about Alpha? Did we even do that? I don't even know. No, last time we recorded, nothing of it had come out yet. Okay, so this gives us a good chance to sort of see where we're at with this. Um, And I think we've given plenty of of, of runway here that have, you know, obviously we're going to be spoiling issues based on where we're at but um there was a big reveal in bounty war of the bounty hunters number one which i have avoided talking about and i've tried to be cryptic about it especially when talking to Corey, because <laughs> i know he wanted to sort of be surprised by it no. um, but for now spoiler warning for anybody i'm sure most people have heard by now but just by osmosis and being out there listening in, in fandom and online but uh war of the bounty hunters number one brought a character back and I think to me and you guys can both correct me if I am wrong I think it's maybe the most significant reveal in Star Wars comics period since 2015 so the big news out of uh, issue one it brought back Kira which was pretty mind-blowing Marie what was your reaction to that when you got to that page oh um, so I actually, as I was reading it, um, when I saw Margot and the Amrusian saw her and I was like, oh my gosh, are they really doing this? <laughs> and then, um, it said her name was Margot and I was like, no way. And then I was like, that's gotta be Kara. And, um, yeah, then the reveal happened, and I was just like, this is so cool, but I also don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> just because, like, I don't know, like, it. What what I'm confused about is, and I'm not trying to be negative, because I think it's a really cool reveal, and I, I am loving it. Um, but how at the end of Empire Strikes Back, they're like, we'll meet you at the rendezvous point and, you know, good luck out there or whatever. And they go to find Han, but they don't. So like (laughs) they, they don't actually go to find Han. That's not what happens. Like it, with all this comic stuff inserted in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, like, it 
it makes the ending of Empire Strikes Back really confusing. Yeah, we I mean we, we've spoken about that before. Like, what the hell took them so long to get Han back? Why did it take a year? <laughs> yeah, and now we're you know we're seeing the the reason for that. But it, I, you know, I think we did talk about like sh- like shoehorning this sort of crossover event into the timeline. Yeah, you, you know, I think when Lucas made the OT, it was just sort of like, yeah, whatever. It, it's the it's a year, whatever. And I don't think much thought really goes into it. And then, like, here we are, like, trying to explain this year, this year-long gap. Like, what yeah. took so long? Well, here you yeah. go. And it... Yeah, right, right. And we're trying to justify yeah. it now. But, Nathan, what was but your I... thought? Oh, sorry. Continue, Marie. Oh, I just wanted to say, but I am super excited about overall how everything, how the different series are connecting to each other. Mm-hmm. And how they're telling, for the most part, a cohesive story amongst the different series. So you get different perspectives of the same event. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super, super cool. And I think they're doing a really good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nathan, what was your thought upon seeing, well, I guess Marie, Marie's right. Like you, you see sort of the, like these the surrounding staff. That Kira, yeah. the entourage around Kira, and you're like, wait a sec, what's going on well, here? The crimson um, symbol is on the ships. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, uh, oh, oh, here we go. Okay, they're doing something special here. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's great. I'm, I feel the same way Marie does, and that it's. I'm super excited that we're finally getting a continued story for Kira and Crimson Dawn. But does that mean that this is where that story, we're getting that story? Is this the only place we're going to get that story? Which is, you know, if that's the case, that's a little disappointing uh, for me anyway. But uh, I think I think it's great to bring her back for this. You know, a Hans, a, an event centered around Han Solo. Bring back his, you know, his first love. Yeah. And, you know, make her the ultimate antagonist that's that's brilliant that's that's great storytelling it's it's really interesting because like her what you know when you watch solo and it and the movie ends and she sort of takes off on han and you're wondering like the big question is is she sort of leaving him because she doesn't want him roped up in all this she sees mm-hmm. you know she sees him as sort of like there, there, there's more for han to do and i don't he does i don't want him roped up in this or well, she sees that he's a good man, and she knows that he's too good for what she has to do. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's sort of the. Certainly, by the end of this event, I think that will be definitely. The I think the the prevailing take. Yeah, and especially since like she's back, and she's not trying to rescue Han and free him. She's trying to use him as, like, collateral to get Crimson Dawn back onto the galactic stage. Cause they've been mm-hmm. from, from the, I guess from the point of, of solo until this point, which is a gap of how many years, 10 years, 13 years or something. Crimson Dawn's been sort of underground. And yeah. so, uh, you know, both characters now at this point would be in their early thirties ish, as opposed to early twenties or late teens, whatever it was in, in the movie. And, you know, the, they're in wildly different places. Like Han is a general with the rebellion and Kira is just keeping this 
Crimson Dawn syndicate sort of on on life support because they're yeah. they're nobodies. Well, that's sort of the interesting thing, is it? Because we we still don't have the story of how she took control of Crimson Dawn from Maul. Because we see Maul just a few years later in Rebels. And by the looks of things, he has no connection to Crimson Dawn anymore. That's a good point. Yeah, he's, right? yeah, so, he's, he's, he's in survival mode on Malachor, just trying to get yeah, by. So, so it All seems right. like, it seems that like Kira sort of, you know, pulled some kind of power play and just nabbed control and literally like ran off with Crimson Dawn. <laughs> Which when you think about it, that makes her so lethal as a character. Mm-hmm. Like a cerebral assassin kind of thing. Like who do, who yep. would do that? Who would have first of all the guts? Mm. And second of all, like the the will to follow through on a plot to overthrow a Sith <laughs> from yeah. from the, you know, especially when you're supposed to work super close with the guy. He you think he'd be all over you in terms of you know, sensing her ambitions and see, seeing right through her and being constantly paranoid. Because that's that's well, the way he operates. You think about it. We're talking about the apprentice of the apprentice of Palpatine here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Like they they they're all sort of conditioned to be you know uh, mistrustful of one another, and yet she yeah. somehow, like you said, Nathan, power played her way right right into the top seat of Crimson Dawn, and Maul was out. So that I mean, yeah. I'm sure we're going to get that story. Um. A question I have is: Is does Han ever find out about how this went down? You know, like mm. he wakes up from his nap in Return of the Jedi, and of course, there's no mention of Kira. And yeah, so at some point, like, is there going to be an issue of this comic? Maybe it could be like a one shot of just like when he when he's sort of getting his vision back, and they're on the Falcon. Heading back to home one, just as you know, they leaving Jabba's palace. Do they? Does you know Lando and Chewie and, and Leia sit him down and go, "Let's ke- let's get you up to speed." Do yeah. you know how you got saved? Like what a conflict for Han. If uh, Le- if Leia's like you know his current girlfriend is like your ex actually swiped you. Yeah. <laughs> like I do. Oh, oh, by the way, she told me a few things. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Um, I do have a question. Um, the Vader issue before the most recent one, I think, um, it it showed Vader going after Han and Han and Chewie being normal, Han not in Carbonite, and Vader was going after them. I was really confused about that. Mm. I do remember do that. Yeah, and I couldn't place it in the timeline. So, like, does he get, you know, thought out and then put back in Carbonite? And I, I have no idea where, like, where in the timeline that bit fits. I, I think I just assumed it was sometime during Empire. Oh, okay. I, yeah, you're right. It's it's sort of a oddball there. 
By the way, that Darth Vader series, which I was loving to a point, but the way it just sort of glossed over Exegol. Yes. Ugh. Oh, that man. was so frustrating. What a swing and miss. Like, oh, we explained the sound from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kyber Crystal's whining. Sorry. Ugh. I thought we were going to yeah. get some additional context to the movie. It was like the barest minimum. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, here is my power. I have all this power and you should bow before me. End. And like, I was like, what? <laughs> like, I'll tell many- you what, though. I'll tell you what. Like, I, the one thing I thought about reading those issues was like, man, like, Whatever Exegol is meant to be, whether it's meant to be sort of kind of Korribani, Moribani, or like, you know, where it's like one of the homeworlds of the Sith or what, whatever it turns out to be. But it's like, man, this place is a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Like, wouldn't you think that they'd have some sort of more ornate kind of, you've got all those statues, but like everything is built out of cement. <laughs> and such poor lighting. Yeah, like you think about Malachor, the temple on Malachor, and how like ornate that was, and and Exegol is just like a big block floating in the air, and then yeah. like a bunch of tunnels dug out with no decoration or anything. Uh, maybe it's just like this outpost. Not I don't say outpost, but maybe just like this off the grid sort of Sith hiding spot. Where they keep some of their deepest, darkest secrets? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's a strange place for sure. But yeah, like that Darth Vader series is. I don't want to say it's gone off the rails a little bit. Like Marie, you have you have thoughts on that series? Yeah i I think I used that exact phrase actually in my last review was that the Vader series has gone off the rails. <laughs> I was. I, I, the thing is, the, so, first off, IG-88, like, trying to take down Vader, huh? (laughs) Like, I I just, I don't (laughs) understand, that's so strange, and especially, like, right after Vader hired IG-88, so, um, that's weird. And then Sly Moore is suddenly a um, evil genius. Like, when did that happen? Not just she's... evil genius. Like, she's like a Sith cultist of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> that was so weird. And I, because she's always just been kind of in the background. And, and then I thought it was strange, like... <laughs> When it keeps talking, when before it kept talking about the Umbaran, and that had to have been Sly Moore, why is Vader calling her the Umbaran when he could just use her name? Like, he knows her name. So, I I don't... I think it's... I just... The, the way I kind of I, I think about that is, he, you know, he, I think he just sort of looks down on everybody. Mm. Like, even, even in Rebels, when... Uh, he comes when he realizes that Ahsoka's still around. He's like, the, the apprentice true. lives. The apprentice, mm. yeah. So anybody who's true. not Palpatine is just sort of, dah. If 
you the the apprentice. I won't even honor you with your name. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. But my thing was that there's so many mysteries that need more context and um, information. But instead of explain spending the time to explain them, aka Exegol, they <laughs> um, instead throw a whole new mystery at us with Sly yeah. Moore, and I'm like, what? What? Why did you throw another mystery in when you still haven't explained the first one? Like, yeah. I wonder if, uh, if it's like, you know, Greg Pak had a plan, or, you know, a pitch that he wanted to do, and then War of the Bounty Hunters came along and just sort of upended that plan where, he, okay, I got to wrap this up, and then I got to start weaving in War of the Bounty Hunters to my title. Yeah. It, it feels like that's the title that is struggling the most with balancing its own sort of direction, plus this, this you know, this uh, major crossover that's right. folded in over top. Part of me kind of hopes that he was kind of um, guided away from that. Like, you can do a story there, but you can't get too deep because maybe Acolyte is going to tie in Exegol in mm. some, some way. Or maybe even High Republic stuff, you know. I yeah. Mean, there's. I, I feel like uh, exploring that place in the past might be a better way of uncovering that stuff than, you know. For sure. So yeah, I mean, technically it's, it's that, the, this comic is the past, you know, from the perspective of the of Rise of Skywalker, but right, you know what I mean. Yeah, and, that and in sense. that case, it's like, you know, they always talk about you know not not being a hierarchy, but there is, <laughs> there <laughs> absolutely is when you know it, it's the on screen stuff, and then novels, and then comics. If that's yeah. if that's the treatment of it, then there is a tiered approach as to where these things get the get to be explained which then goes back to kira and and we touched on it lightly but is this where her story plays out in comics like has she been relegated in air quotes to comics or is this um the signal of something bigger for crimson dawn this is was it sort of like a um taking the temperature to see what sort of reaction would would fandom generate over Kira's return. And if that's the case, people kind of freaked out. So maybe they're going, yeah, there's interest here. And it's yeah. time to, to, you know, take this character up a notch, especially knowing that Amelia Clark is all about doing more Kira. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're leaving it on the table, you know, if you, if you don't. So, uh, I just, uh, I just looked back through Vader 12 and, what it is, I mean, that's the prelude issue. Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's sort of setting up um, Vader's connection to Han before they jump into the event. So what it is is he's he's not looking for Han and Chewie. He's looking for the the Falcon because that's who screwed everything up at Yavin, right? He was yeah. about to take the shot on Luke. And then Han came in. So he's looking for the freighter, finds Han. And that's where that chase happens. So that's that is a flashback. Okay. Okay. And then it gets into back into the present where uh he's going to talk to he's getting rebuilt after the Exegol stuff. 
and he goes to talk to um what's his name Boke, uh mm, whatever the hut's name is i can't remember was it oh boku yeah is it boku yeah okay i think so so he goes uh, ochi goes to talk to boku yeah so the stuff with han and chewie in that issue is a flashback Okay, that sort makes of establishing, more sense. establishing animosity between Vader and Han. Okay. Yeah. That's your son-in-law, Darth. <laughs> your future son-in-law. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't know that at this point, though. Exactly. Yeah. So this could be. I wonder if this would be interesting. Amelia Don- Amelia Clark is now writing her own comic. It's a three-parter, uh, Mother of Madness. Really? Yeah. You find that interesting? Well, I find <laughs> No, I mean not in itself, but I wonder how would it be if she ended up writing a Kira comic book series? I think that'd be very interesting. I think that almost cool. unprecedented. Mm-hmm. I can't think of another actor who portrayed a character and then went on to write stories of that character. Uh, yeah, there might be a reason for that, though. Oh, for sure. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> it, I, I mean, it, this has been happening a lot lately, uh, where you have these celebrities coming in. Writing, you, you know, J.J. Abrams and, and his son wrote that Spider-Man comic a couple years ago. Yeah, that took forever to come out. Um, you've got uh, Keanu Reeves right now is co-writing that Berserker comic, mm-hmm. which of course was immediately before it even came out was optioned for a yeah. a movie or a TV show or something, which of course he'll star in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and the, uh, the Clark comic, I it's uh, I I don't want to be mean, but doesn't seem like the uh, most interesting premise. Uh, that that being said, she is co-writing that with I think G. Willow Wilson. So, okay, you know, maybe if you know, it's one of those things where maybe she has a good idea and someone else can write it, write her idea, hmm. and it can be a collaboration that way. Sure. Yes, sure, it's, it's presented as that. more of definitely Amelia Clark's thing. Like, yeah, but you're right. Like, yeah, she doesn't, she will sort of be, I, 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 you're right. I think that Wilson will be sort of putting the actual pen to paper. Yeah. But who knows? I, I just thought it'd be interesting if Amelia Clark ended up doing like a, a mini series based on Kira and then they could still do something live action with her. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's great when a, when a, uh, you know, an actor can have some say in the story. Uh, you know, I mean, we kind of discussed this a little bit in the Facebook group this week, where that's not always yeah, the not greatest always a, idea. Yeah, but well, uh, just, you know, it's uh, it's kind of the Mark Hamill thing. You know, it's exactly. I, mean, I was about to say that it's it's the Mark Hamill. Hamill thing, has like, Hamill's never had a great idea of where Luke Skywalker should go. <laughs> Well, yeah, and you know, and, coming out of episode eight, people are like, "See, even Mark Hamill hates it." Okay, but if you want to do that, then if you want to go all in with his ideas, buckle yeah. up. <laughs> Boba uh, Fett's his mom, I mean, he, 
and at the end he's go- Luke's gonna keep Vader's helmet and dye his hair pink and like he he has said yeah. these things. These are words yeah. out of his mouth. And uh, so maybe cool it with the see, see this even the actor doesn't or whatever. Yeah. It's it's you're right. It's not always um and it, there's it, there's lots of examples in Star Wars of the actor maybe not understanding fully the character they're portraying and they're just reading a script into a microphone and then going yeah. home. And the thing is, it's not always a bad thing, you know. I mean, Mace Windu wouldn't have had a purple lightsaber if Sam Jackson hadn't gotten involved, you know. <laughs> For sure, yeah. But but that's one of the coolest things in those movies is that, oh, Mace Windu has a purple lightsaber. You know, it's badass, right? And, you know, Lucas probably wouldn't have even considered choosing a color other than green and blue if unless Jackson had brought it up. So, yeah, and that's obviously a, a fairly minor example. That doesn't define Mace Windu's character arc, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it's great when, when actors get involved and can can contribute to the story, um, as long as it's a good story. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, back, back to War of the Bounty Hunters. So, Kira has claimed Han, and she is got him in his block of carbonite and she's going to use him as leverage to sort of get back onto the uh, the main stage of the underworld and she I, all she wants to do she's not trying to to strong arm jabba she's like she's throwing a party and she's inviting all kinds of people and she's going to just give at least i, I think the intention for her is to just give jabba han as like a, a show of goodwill and I don't know if, I, again, I think we're all sort of a couple issues behind. I don't know if that's played out yet, but what it's hap- what's happened is that uh, Boba Fett has ended up on the hit list now, <laughs> on Jabba's hit list, because <laughs> yep. you lost my bounty. Like, all right, now there's a hit on Boba Fett for failure to deliver. So Boba Fett's on the run, and he's having to fight all kinds of people. Other bounty hunters are, are on his case. So... Things are getting complicated for the the man of the hour here, Boba Fett. All things Boba Fett happening here. He's he's in hot water. Yeah, I like the animosity this is setting up uh, retroactively between Boba and Bib Fortuna. Yes, there was that sequence outside of of Jabba's palace. Yeah, and it's yeah, Bib's. Yeah, I mean Bib is Bib. He's a big he's a big jerk. But yep. Boba is just like you can tell. Boba's almost looking forward to killing him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, of course, hello. But also, it also makes you know, <laughs> Boba. <laughs> it makes Bib's reaction to seeing Boba even funnier. You know, it's like it's very oh shit! I've got to beg for my life here. <laughs> uh, oh no! Yeah. I thought you went down the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. I thought we were done here. And nope. Yeah, no, it's... it's there. There is that connectivity for sure. And, you know, we can read into it what we want, but it's there. And that, that it's, it's really across the board in Star Wars right now, a lot of plot threads being pulled from different places. Mm. Yeah. Tied in, like, the spider web. You know, it's, it's, this whole thing is like a spider web being pulled together 
it's 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 really fantastic but yeah yeah like everybody's getting in the pool here with war of the bounty hunters and i'm I'm completely out of the loop with afra i don't know what her role in this is right now i know she's aware of it and she's sort of on the periphery uh marie do you know what, what's happening with afra right now so she um is working for domina tag and mm-hmm. sauna is working with her which is cool that they brought Sana back. Um, and she, let's see. Um, she's going after a relative of Domina Tag. And they find him, but everybody on the ship is dead. Um, so she's, she's, she has a, an invitation to the party. Yeah. And she's going to the party. And it was so weird in this latest issue, they introduced Dirge, who I don't know that much about, but I know people were freaking out about him. And they introduce him, and I don't know if they're going to continue his story or not, because, well, I don't know how much I, I want to spoil, but it was anticlimactic. Oh, <laughs> do do you think they killed him? Yeah. Um, they didn't. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, the thing if if you if anybody has seen the Tartakovsky stuff and they they've seen Dirge and what he is and what he can do, he's I don't know, he's, he's immortal. Wolverine. But he's Wolverine. He's un, he's unkillable. He's like a big muscle guy, and he just basically can pull himself back together. Yeah. Gotcha. So he, he's if he looks like he's kill. dead, he's probably not dead. Okay. Well, that that makes more sense. Because I was like, you can't introduce. This character from Legends and then just have him be in one issue. <laughs> yeah. No, that's sort of the thing. Because in, in Tartakovsky, he gets like blown up and Obi-Wan thinks he's done. And then he kind of pulls himself back together. Oh, wow. But um, yeah, so, so Aphra is not really in the game. But she's working for Domina Tag. And the Tags are worried that Crimson Dawn is going to... Basically, they're trying to keep Crimson Dawn from rising because they don't want the yeah, competition. Exactly. And that's who Afra's working for. So Afra's kind of tangentially indirectly involved. Yeah, I'd say the the two out of the four, well, I guess five, um, because well one of them is obvious. It is the War of the Bounty Hunters miniseries. Mm-hmm. But um the four long run series out of those, the two that are the most connected to the event would be Star Wars and Bounty Hunter. Bounty Hunters. Yeah. Yep, for sure. That, yeah, that's Charles Soule. Well, it's a lot more fun than I thought it'd be. Yeah. But it yeah. does feel like what we, I think we talked about this, that, uh, you know how uh, you brought it up earlier this episode, Kyle. How it's um, the span of time that they're, you know, setting this new era of the main title. In, well, I guess most of the titles in is only like a year at most. It's not a lot, so I feel like yeah. this is how they're stretching that time out because you can tell a story that takes place within a certain kind of compressed time frame but because you're telling it across all these titles you're kind of spreading that out a bit 
and letting it breathe a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, up to this point, it feels like we must be like six months in. <laughs> yeah. You know, it feels like we must be like three to six months pe- post-Empire. And it's like, okay, we don't have that much time left. So we kind of need to drag this out a little. And yeah. yeah, drag it out, they are. Like, <laughs> yeah, this... Kira's throwing this party now. Like, you gotta think this is getting... This is. I mean, obviously this is sort of a culminating crossover event, but like, the, the this party is going to be a big deal in that I, I assume that Han is going to change hands. Either yeah. to back either Boba's going to reclaim or the you know Kira's going to hand off to to Jabba. But something has to happen because in Jedi Boba's there in Jabba's court and seems to be back in good standing with Jabba. So mm-hmm. and we know that Boba is looking out to kill Kira. Like he's pissed. Yeah. He, he knows he who who stole Han and he's looking to kill her. Like he verbally said, "I know who I have to kill." With Kira's yeah holographic figure stand like right there in front of him so is he going to go take her out which would be kind of a, a sad way for kira to go out and then grab the bounty back grab han back and then here you go jabba just like i promised here's your bounty pay me and jabba goes yeah. okay you did it here's your money and you're you're cleared again because he's got to clear the his name and get back yeah. in jabba's good books so mm-hmm. how is that going to happen i assume it's going to happen in these pages yeah. Well, it's funny because we talked last time about how, like, we, I don't think we could fathom how they were going to drag this event out till October. Yeah. I'm <laughs> looking at the, the list right now and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> but, it, but like, before we knew about Kira, it was like, there's no way. There's no right. way that they can do. That. And now that they introduced that wild card, it's like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yep, I'm good. I'm good till October. <laughs> Let, let's explore this thoroughly, you know? Yeah. I just hope that the end of this event doesn't take Kira and Crimson Dawn off the table for post-Jedi stories. Because I want to see, you know, because in the, in the Bounty Hunter comics, I think it was, we got, or maybe it was War of the Bounty Hunters, but we even got set up for Kanja Club, you know? Yeah. We got sort of an origin kind of thing for Kanja Club. Yes. Yeah. That was. I don't I'm know which gonna... one it was in. They yeah, all, they all blend together. <laughs> <laughs> but it's. Uh, it's uh, I think it'd be great to have Kira and Crimson Dawn continue into the New Republic era and to see how that. See the stories they could tell, you know, have them show up in Mandalorian. Hopefully, we could have them show up in Book of Boba Fett. You know, like that'd be super cool. That would be, be cool, and that could be the way to bring Kira back. If you want to do more live action Kira, have her show up in one of those new shows. Yeah, and you know, it's it's hard to imagine Kira wriggling out of this. You know, I don't want to sell her short because she's obviously very capable, crafty, smart, all that stuff. The Empire is, is you know, Crimson Dawn is in the Empire sites, Invader sites. It Boba Fett is all over them. Like, I don't know how she gets out of this. But I'm also mm-hmm. looking forward, because the last issue I read, I 
it may be Star Wars 14 or so, and the Falcon has crashed on, uh, I forget which planet it was that they're having this party, but the Falcon is, is, you know, as it tends to do, crashed on this planet, and there's Leia with Lando and Chewie, and she's like, Han is on that ship, and she's pointing to, who remembers the name of that yacht? The First uh, Light? Yeah. Dryden, well, Dryden's old ship. Yeah, the first light. And there's there's a meeting between Kira and Leia is super interesting. Yeah. How does that go? Yeah. Not well for Han, I imagine. (laughs) No, I mean, because I presume that they don't, Leia and, and Kira don't know of each other. Right. And they don't know of each other's connections. Women always find out the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You wonder if something happens or a conversation between the two comes in this this storyline and Leia eventually gives Leia the gears over. Leia gives Han the gears over it. And he's like, oh, God. Worlds are colliding. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I mean, Leia is really young when she meets Han, but I don't think she's naive enough to think that, you know, he hasn't been around the block a couple times. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's just, he reeks of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially in a new hope. Well, in the new hope, he was supposed to have a girlfriend, right? Yeah. At least it sure looks like it. He, he still plays the deleted he, scene. He plays that part very well. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, to, to see those two sort of, confront and maybe they're completely amicable which would be an interesting way to take it you know maybe kira's completely sober about it saying look yeah once we were together in another time another space maybe this we could have done different things but yeah uh look at me i'm I'm, yeah you know han he's he this is not the place for him and leia's like yeah you're right he's mine get out (laughs) <laughs> we do also have uh, Lando on the table, of course. Mm-hmm. He has, you know, history with not not the history that Han has, but Lando has history with with working with Kira. That's true. So uh, it'll be interesting to see to see them come together again. It would be interesting to see Han go or for Lando to go. Leia, before we go in there, there's something you should know about Kira and Han. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, that would be interesting to have it come from him. It's uh I I do wonder. I wonder would Kira show up in the Lando show? Because I'm just thinking, wouldn't it be interesting if Kira set Lando up in Cloud City? Oof. Like admit, what if Lando maintained some kind of relationship with Kira? After the movie, you know, because Kira says he's the best smuggler. Yeah. So if she needed something smuggled, she might reach out to Lando. Eh, it's uh, it's, it's a possibility. Yeah, that, that's that isn't it. Uh, yeah, an intriguing possibility that would certainly <laughs> catch everybody off guard, or it would have. Thanks, Nathan. Well, sorry. <laughs> We're just having all the good ideas. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, so 
yeah, I mean, that's that's War of the Bounty Hunters in a nutshell. It's been pretty fun so far. It's been pretty well woven together. But again, like like I was saying with the High Republic, if you stuck with a couple of titles, you, I think you get a good enough picture. I don't think you have to be... You don't have to overwhelm yourself by having to read 34 full issues to get to get a full picture. Like, you can stick with, you know, War of the Bounty Hunters as a title and Star Wars as a title and go, yeah. and follow a pretty complete picture. I think you should probably read Bounty Hunters, too. Yeah, yeah. Bounty Hunters is pretty. But those now, three, and that would yeah. be... Or, you know, I think when this comes out in, in trade... You know, this will probably, mm-hmm. it'll probably be a few volumes, but you'll probably have Worth Bounty Hunt. I guess they'll probably do a whole thing, but yeah, yeah. There's there's no more than th- there's probably like six individual titles wrapped into this. You, yeah, the the, the Worth Bounty Hunters, Star Wars, and Bounty Hunters are the probably the three titles you need, and you yeah, get Vader is very tangential, Afra is very tangential so far right. anyway. Yeah, so far. Yeah, but then agree. I'm looking at this, the outline of what's coming up in War of the Bounty Hunters, and <clears throat> I don't know how I missed this, but the Job of the Hut number one, Four Lamas Zuckus number one, Boosh number one, IG88 yeah. number one. So that's gonna add a whole another layer to yeah. it. Yeah, like oh my gosh, this this is yeah. milking the cow. They like the <laughs> one shot game. Yeah. Yeah. Or if if you don't mind waiting, and you know you don't mind reading digital, just get Marvel Unlimited, and in three months after the issues come out, they're on Marvel Unlimited. So, yeah, absolutely. That's that's by far the cheapest way to read them. <laughs> yeah, it's like ten bucks a month, something like that. And plus all the other stuff you get access to. Yeah. Okay. And let's. This is. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna, I was going to put a pin in this one, but if you if you want to follow up, go ahead. I was just going to say, money wise, you've got six issues per month. That's like twenty five dollars, yeah, per month for comics. Yeah, and that's U.S. price. <laughs> yeah, reading comics is not twenty five to thirty dollars. Yeah, it's it's not a cheap hobby anymore. If you're still buying floppies from week to week, which I still mm-hmm. do, <laughs> Nathan, you still do. It's yep. it is you know. It's expensive, and it eventually, as you know, Nathan, it will it creeps up on you in an amount of space taken. And uh, you go, yeah. Oh boy, I need another long box or another short box, and oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's put a pin in this for now. We'll come back. Surely we'll come back to this because um, there's always lots to talk about between this and High Republic. But let's just let's look at Bad Batch this week. We can't let this go by. Um, especially since, you know, the three of us are here and this episode was, I don't know if it's the, my favorite episode, but it is for me, certainly the most interesting episode of the bunch so far. And especially with the heavy, heavy ties into, uh, the novel Lords of the Sith, which was one of the first of the new canon novels. Mate, was it the first? Third. Third. All right. So it's on the podium. Um, or maybe fourth. Wait, what was it? It was a new dawn, and then it was Tarkin. Oh, and then it was um, heir to the Jedi, and then it was Lords of the Sith. Okay, all right. So it misses out. It gets a participation yeah. medal, but still, it's an <laughs> early, early canon novel, and yeah. it has stood up. And this episode is—it feels like a prequel episode 
to that novel. Like, it's unbelievable how we're now sort of entering the Ryloth phase of, of The Bad Batch Season 1. And just just the connectivity to that book and how it all feeds together. And taking what we know from the prequels and the Clone Wars and Rebels and this book. We talk about the spider web being pulled together. This was yeah. this was incredible. Yeah. And, it was. And, and you know, there's there's always this sort of criticism of the the cameo of the week. I Man. think I think most people squealed yeah. over this week's cameos, and I, I I can't even call them cameos, like they were full on featured players this week. Who yeah, they were like about? main characters. You know, it, it's spoilers for Bad Batch, but you know, in the first episode we got a young Kanan, so I guess it's fitting that at some <laughs> point we got a young Hera. <laughs> young Hera sounding quite a bit younger than young Kanan. Yeah. <laughs> nah. Like, why not just get Vanessa Marshall? It's, I'm sure she... But she pulled it off. Not so much with Freddy. <laughs> was it her? Oh, it was her. Oh, it was her. Doing young yeah. Hera? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I, I had no idea. She did such a better job than Freddy did. <laughs> to, the, to the point where I was like, no, that's not Vanessa Marshall. That's yeah, her? it was. Maybe they just yep. pitched up her voice. Maybe they should have tried that with Kane. Yeah, they probably should have. Oh God! Yep, Marie. What did uh, what what happened to your blood pressure when you saw that little chopper periscope? Or did it even get to that point where you're like, "Oh, we're getting we're getting young Hera in this episode"? So I didn't get to watch the episode until I think uh, I I don't remember when I watched it, but it it wasn't. I basically got spoiled a little bit. Um, so I knew Hera was going to be in it. And for me, it was like when I saw Chopper, I was like, oh, my God, Chopper. <laughs> I was so excited to get Chopper in Bad Batch because I love that droid so much. He's so sassy. I love him. Um, so that was, oh, my gosh, that was so cool. Um, and you see that they've had a relationship for such a long time that it they really are like two peas in a pod. Um, and I loved that. But yeah, just seeing a young Hera, seeing the backstory, I, oh my gosh, I was super excited. I, and I love how it wasn't like, like we said, it wasn't a cameo. It was like they, she was a main character. Yeah, and Nathan, your your reaction to, well, I, I guess it, it probably doesn't take long, right? When you see that they're on, oh, yeah, that's Ryloth. Look at all those oh, yes. Twi'leks. Oh, there's Cham. As soon as you saw the establishing yeah. shot of the city, I was like, oh, we're getting hair on Chopper. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, because this show was created and executive produced by Dave Filoni, and he can't help <laughs> himself. Not that I'm upset <laughs> about it in this case. I think it w- was great in this case. But honestly, I'm more excited that we finally met Hera's mom. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right? It was like, man, finally, Star Wars gives us a mom. Uh, uh, yeah. You know? and, and we're gonna didn't, get... immediate, didn't immediately kill her anyway. That's oh, yeah. probably next week. Because but... <laughs> Yeah. Because you... I, I was a bit surprised by how like cool Cham was with everything. Like, Or at least he's trying, right? Like, he's trying to mm. give the Empire a chance. He's trying to yeah. let this war sort of burn out so that Hera doesn't have to go through it. And so he's just trying to 
be the good, uh, almost like a company man. Like, let's just play this out. Okay, put put your guns mm-hmm. away. Let let the empire have its moment and give it a chance. Yeah, I, I that was one thing that was surprising to me was how amicable he was. Yeah, yeah. Toward the empire, yeah. you know. I mean, you think about those episodes in Clone Wars where he's mm-hmm. talking to Mace and he says, "How long until I'm fighting you, Master Jedi?" You know, and it's like, yeah. okay, well, he he understands how quickly this can turn. But then you get to this episode, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, we'll give this a shot. We'll give this a drop. Here. Yeah, I, he, like, I think he, there was conflict. I, I think he's conflicted saying it. And, and you know, Gobi comes around, his lieutenant, and says, like, uh, yeah. you, the Empire's up to no good here, Cham. You just don't want to see it. Yeah, Gobi's keeping the fire burning, and Cham is just tired, is he's, what he's is tired. the sense that I get. Yeah, he's trying to be the optimist or trying to yeah. be optimistic after, you know, fighting a war for so long. Mm-hmm. Right. He's just, he's just trying to make it work and trying to bring peace by whatever means possible, even if it means compromising a little bit. And that is, is that Alina, her voice or her name? I can't remember. Uh, oh, I'm not sure. Hera's mom is just like, sure. <laughs> she's just like, um, you know, peace at what cost? Like, how yeah. far do we are we going to compromise our values in the name of peace? You know, what, what if well, the Empire's version of peace is something we can't accept? I think it's yeah. the line. Right. And that, that's, a, that's a Star Wars thing. And I sure. like that even though she's supportive of Cham, she's still kind of running her own business on the side. You know, she's still kind of helping the uh, the rebels a little. Yeah, she still has a one ear open or both ears open for Gobi. Yeah. Yeah. Even though she has no ears. Well, yeah. What a what a flip what a slip up that was. <laughs> the Twi'lek women have no ears. Her cones. Yeah. My 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 son was like, she has no ears. It's it's like that moment where he's just first realized that Twi'lek women don't have ears, they have bumps. <laughs> he's like, How can he hear? How can she hear? I'm like, she just does. Like it it's Star Wars, buddy. Don't worry about it. Like yeah. they have bumps for ears, the men have pointy teeth. Let it go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It says E L E N I. Elini. Elini. Okay. Yeah. I said this in the Facebook group, but it was, you know, this this kind of felt because the bad batch weren't so little. This kind of felt, and I expect they'll be in it more <laughs> next week. But uh, this episode felt like it was like a pilot episode for a Ryloth series or like a young Hera series or something, which I would be totally okay with um, because it, it kind of feels like the, the Padawan arc in Clone Wars, which was actually a pilot arc, you know, with them getting their lightsaber crystals on Elam. Right. Lucas mm-hmm. was considering doing a young Padawan series. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. A sp- uh, yeah, he was yeah. considering doing a spinoff, and that's what those episodes were. It was a, it would have followed those young Jedi, those Padawans. Are we are you saying we got robbed out of a, a Gunji series? Yes, right, oh. right. I love those little Padawans. Yes, what an asshole! It would have been is. so great. <laughs> it would have been great, but but it felt similar to me, where this was like it was so out of the way, but tangentially connected. Well, yeah. it says something um, that, you know, I, and I don't know what it says, that the main characters are in the show for like two seconds, and it ends up being one of the best episodes of the series. And maybe not that, everybody feels that way, but 
I didn't miss them at all this week. No, I didn't. I didn't either. I was more interested in what was going on with the Twi'leks. Yeah, and I guess if you've you know if you've been watching and consuming Star Wars long enough, you know all these characters and you know their situations. So mm-hmm. like you know someone like my kids, for example, they haven't followed all this stuff for so long. So they're like, well, where's the Bad Batch? They're not in this. No. Yeah. But and I you know I was telling my wife before I'm like this is like the best episode. It's so cool. You're gonna see why. Oh my god. And she's like, okay, okay. And then it ended. She's like, why did you like that so much? She's like, she's happy. Eh? She's happy that Hera and Chopper are back. She was like, oh, cool. But she's like, what did you love about that episode? And I think it comes down to, oh yeah, but I read Lords of the Sith and you know, I've watched Rebels and Clone Wars and all this stuff. So it's like this. It's Star Wars soup, but it's a much better Star Wars soup. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of that like the catharsis of. Because, you know, we know, we've always known that the Republic is going to go bad. And the Republic has been rotten for a long time, and it's, and we know the trajectory. So it, it's kind of cathartic for us to see characters in the show realize, oh, this is bad news. <laughs> yeah. Right. Bad. This is not going well. And it's, it's kind of like, finally, everybody's catching up, you know? Yeah, and well, this episode had so much going on with it like there, there was like the, you know how cool cham was with everything and at least he's trying to play the play the role and meanwhile his wife is sort of keeping that fire stoked and Gobi is really the one like crosshair is like Gobi glee is the one you need to be careful of right mm. and um but like there's still there's, there's still so much cool stuff happening like hauser as a clone whoa, like this guy, he's one of the biggest questions to me coming out of this episode. Like he's a throwback considering, you know, they're still only a few years old, but he does not seem like a, like it almost feels like he didn't get order 66. Like he feels like Mm -hmm. an individual. Yeah. Letting, letting order slide. And, you know, yeah, my hands are tied here, Tam. You know, it's like, I let this slide, but it can't happen again. It's like, okay, you're a little looser than everybody else seems. But then I was like, what if, what if he's one of Rex's like agents? Mm, you know, like what if yeah. Rex, what if Rex is building the the clone resistance, <laughs> and he's got these guys in like high level positions? Like it doesn't feel planets. like an accident that this Hauser was so. Yeah, like loose with with all these new rules, which right the show goes out of its way to show how the clones have pivoted on a dime to go to turn into a bunch of a holes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like by the yeah. book, a holes like they don't even talk to each other anymore. They're just and they're all numbers now, and they're all sterile. Everybody is like in that white white armor. He's still got his painted Clone Wars armor. That yeah yeah, yeah. And I think that says something. I don't know what, but. I think hmm. he's one to watch. Like, there's there is something going on with Hauser that I think is going to be significant. I don't think he's just going to snap into some sort of, you know, sterile stormtrooper follow orders kind of thing. Yeah, but that's that's really interesting. Hmm. But yeah, um, and what I- and and by the way, he has hair, so his scar would probably be hidden if he had one. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I just have to say, it was after this episode that I finally looked up why Orn Frita has four Leku. And it turns out 
that if a Twi'lek male gets fat, those <laughs> eyebrow ridges will turn into two more Leku. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't kidding. <laughs> That's why he has four Leku, because he's so fat. <laughs> well, okay, let me test your memory on this one then, because... And maybe it's muddy, or maybe it's still yet to be cleared up, but... So he gets sniped in the head mm-hmm. in this episode, and uh, Harris' parents are set up or framed for the attempted assassination of... I was confused about that, too. Like, I... I don't know how many people in Star Wars take a shot to the head from a rifle and live. So is he yeah. not dead? The, I Yeah, I don't know. That was strange. I was like attempted, but he looks pretty dead. I think they have maybe they have to that's the charges now. Like they have to have a reason why they were chasing them in the first place before he was killed. And now that he's been killed, they can say, oh, for the murder, for the assassination of Orn Frita. But he's in he's in Lords of the Sith. Is he? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I, I've read it most recently of the three of us. So that's maybe why it's it's just chipping at my brain in the back of my brain here. But he's in yeah. it. He's all over that book. Maybe it's Orn Frita Jr. Yeah. So I... I I don't know that like crosshair shoot him on like low power or something like that. I, it, yeah. it seems really silly huh. to shoot him in the head, call it an attempted assassination. But you're like, maybe he just maybe he just shot him in the leku. You know, uh, you, so you maybe that abs- the temple. Maybe <laughs> maybe that absorbs huh. some of the damage. I don't know. Listen. Huh. Uh, I you can't do this to me, Kyle. I'll what? I'll get too worked up again. Yeah, because I know both of you are, are you know continuity <laughs> people, and yeah. like this is a big. I mean, big one. I it's Orn Frita. Like who cares? But it's that- it, it feels like the 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 obviously chosen wording of attempted assassination mm-hmm. is supposed to illustrate the fact that he's not dead and he will survive. And Lords of the Sith is not compromised in that way. Yeah. But this, right. I thought it was really weird. Maybe they put one of those Geonosian worms, brain worms in him. <laughs> and in Lords of the Sith, he's just a Geonosian zombie. Yeah, maybe. But <laughs> why did they have to do that? Like, they, if they wanted to get charge, have charges on them, they could have just said, for under arrest for attacking an Imperial convoy. Yeah. yeah. They had them. Like, caught them red-handed. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't understand why you would kill... Orn Frita anyway. I mean, he's like your your biggest asset, right? Your your biggest defender on Ryloth. Except the people don't exactly want to follow him as much. Yeah, like he's sure. Yeah, people don't but like you're, him. But that's only shoring up their support for Cham. Yeah. Right. It's like, well, finally mm. he's gone. Let's uh, let's all turn to Cham. To sort this out, I I don't know. It is kind of weird now that you bring it up. <laughs> now that I've ruined hmm. your day, <laughs> I, will, I will say at least Rampart is earning his action figure. <laughs> yeah, well, I want to talk about him next. Like he's 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 a different sort of imperial, isn't he? 
Yeah. Like he's not quite like Hauser, but all this stuff is happening around him. And most Imperials are like, what's next in the rule book? And, and barking orders and fire and all this stuff. And he's, he's a little more wily and letting things play out. And it's, I don't know. I don't know what his deal is, but he's, he's he's not as, he's not as mustache twirly as most Imperial officers. Yes. That's a good way of putting it. (laughs) He doesn't act like an Imperial. I mean, he does in some ways, but his tactics are are different. Like if it was Tarkin, he'd be like, okay, drop the hammer on these idiots. And this guy's like, no, let's just let let this play out. I want to see where this is going. I think another thing to keep in mind is that like, we've already, we're seeing the transition to the Empire and it's all happened really quickly. Yeah. But I mean, this guy was a Republic officer just a couple months ago. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, not all of... You've got your guys like Tarkin who are going to... Um, you know, they've always been... They've always been a hawk. They've always been willing to make sacrifices and do terrible things for the sake of the Republic and now the Empire. But you've also got these, you know, just your standard Republic officers that are now all of a sudden the Imperial officers. And they don't know that they're evil. You know, <laughs> mm, yeah, they're yeah. still just trying to do their jobs, right? I get a little bit of um, what's his face from Rebels, the Imperial guy, Callus. Yeah, I get a little bit of Callus vibes from him. Yeah, that could be an interesting way to go. Wonder- I feel like he, I don't know if you do that trick twice. Yeah, like I, I almost hear Callus when I listen to Rampart. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I feel I feel like Rampart could get in trouble for not going far enough, mm. for not being willing to do some terrible thing. Yeah, you could see Tarkin yeah. coming back around, going, "Why isn't this taken care of? Like, why didn't you use everything at your disposal to bring this planet to heal?" Yeah. Ah, well, like you, you know, like maybe Rampart is ordered to destroy Camino. <laughs> or destroy a Kaminoan city or facility or something, and he won't do it. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like there's there's more to. There, I feel like there could be more to Rampart than than what we've seen. Yeah, but hmm. yeah, I I have to say I think this is my favorite episode, and this isn't even the one with Saw Guerrero in it. So <laughs> <laughs> something. <laughs> But you have to wonder at some point, and if you know if this episode didn't do it for Cham, you know where he goes. Okay, you know what? Uh, we can't accept what the Empire is doing, and he's you know Cham is back. Like you got to think that you know something's going to happen to his wife that is going to set him over mm. the edge. That is yeah. just going to put him back into war mode. Yeah, or you know. Does he sacrifice his wife? Oof. And is that what drives him and Hera apart? Yeah. Mm. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, you know, it's like this show has the possibility. We keep saying it, but this show has the possibility to get real dark. <laughs> yeah. Imagine. Imagine he sees her as collateral damage. Yeah. And that, that would be a very cham thing to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it sort of recontextualizes some of the stuff from Lords of the Sith. He almost he almost seems a bit mournful and 
cautious a little bit more of what he's doing. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm overthinking yeah. it a bit, but yeah, maybe, maybe he's, he's, oh, wow. <laughs> I think most likely the, 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 that would be interesting, but I think most likely she gets killed. Yeah. And yeah. he just goes, oh, okay, that's it. It's g- game or, on again. Or maybe, maybe she sacrifices herself and Hera blames Chan. Mm, right? Yeah. Hmm. Could go that way. And it well, and you know, Ryloth is in now in the process of, of demilitarizing at Cham's sort of request. And yeah. you yeah. see them lining up, giving up their rifles, and, and Empire's collecting all this stuff. And the only part that Bad Batch played in this episode was deliver a couple crates of rifles and detonators. Yeah. <laughs> so and and they're and they're bugged. Oh no, Gobi was bugged. That's how they got caught. But yeah, I mean Yeah. Sid is in contact with Gobi. And now that Hera and Cham and all like all of them are, are well, actually Hera's not caught yet. Yeah. She's on, she's on the run with Chopper. And that's where the episode ended. You gotta think next week the Bad Batch is gonna be dialed back in to sort of spring Cham out of and, and Elena out of prison. And that's how they get mm-hmm. back involved with the whole thing. But you gotta. I also think that we're on Ryloth now for the next few episodes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there was there was a leak of episode names, and yeah, a couple of I, them did sort of hint at Ryloth. I wonder if the Bad Batch will be how Hera and Chopper get off Ryloth and get tied up with the rebellion. Yeah, it almost seems like a foregone conclusion at this point, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. who does the who does the who's who are the Bad Batch connected to with the rebellion at this point? So that maybe that connection is yet to be made, but it certainly seems like they're going to bail out. Yeah, because it's only you know in ten years she has to meet Kanan, right? Is it ten years? Eight years? Ish, uh, yeah, it's always sort sure. of not completely defined, but yeah, I mean, she's what 12, 15 at this point. Rebels is 15 years from, from this point, so her and Kanan have to meet some years prior to that. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a range of you know, they meet somewhere between like seven to ten years, yeah, after this point. So she has to get off, she has to you know, become a pilot, she has to get the ghost. Yeah. So those were beautiful character moments too for Hera where she's just sort of like laying back and watching the birds. Oh, this, this episode looked like, like it looked like a painting. Like Mm -hmm. it was so gorgeous and like the colors were so vibrant. Yeah. Oh man. Like, Oh, I loved it. (laughs) No, it was, it was a terrific episode and I, it's going to, I still think the season ends up with a, you know, a two parter, on Camino, but I think Ryloth is where we're at for the next few episodes. Yeah. I I was thinking this the other day, but I wonder if like the the season finale will be where they roll out the stormtrooper armor for the first time. Oh makes sense. You know, that classic stormtrooper armor. Because it it, it really can't feel like the Empire until that armor shows up. Right. Yeah. It's so um, it's it's sort of the emblem of the empire, isn't it? Yeah. So 
that happens if they roll that out and it's like, okay, we're we're really in it now. And well, it does make you wonder if somehow between the Bad Batch and Rex, maybe Hauser, maybe Rampart plays a part in it too. Are they able to sort of reclaim the clones? And maybe Omega might play into that as well. Hmm. Can they somehow switch off Order 66 programming, turn all the clones back against the Empire? And that's what ultimately says that we're done with this. I mean, we already know that clones are cost prohibitive and Tarkin is trying to do this uh, conscription kind of thing, draft. Mm-hmm. But you wonder if if that's the end of it. Like, last straw, these, these clones, ultimately these clones are not controllable. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting stuff coming here. <laughs> and then that would course, be really cool. I have, yeah. I mean, it just comes back to this show is surprising me with how much I'm enjoying it and how much I anticipate new episodes. And like the show was not really on my radar for, from the time it was announced until we saw that first teaser. And now I'm like, and again, not for the bad batch, but it's for the for everything around them. Yeah, <laughs> really. I still like the characters for what they are. You know, they're they're oh, tropes sure. and they're kind of goofy and silly. But you're for me, yeah. It's it's everything else around it is the more interesting thing. Like Omega's. Interesting. Yeah, they're not the draw for me. Like I would have yeah. been happy with like a, a Disney Plus movie about the Bad Batch, and I would have been okay. But it's everything <laughs> around them that is like okay. I'm excited for this new episode. Who knows who's going to show up and where's it going to go. Right. (laughs) Well, I guess part of the problem with those characters is how do you give them an enemy that's powerful enough to, to topple them, to challenge them. That's been one of the things with them that they easily almost get out of any jam because they're just so good at what they do. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's all the empire building stuff. It's uh, the stuff with the clones and this, the, now Ryloth involved and Sagarera somewhere out there. Oh yeah, is, is, yes. is young Enthus Nest out there? <laughs> oh, or at least you know her, maybe her mom. Yeah, because Enthus oh, would that, still be oh, really young. Oh, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much are you going to pay for a scene to see with the Omega, young Hera, and a young Enthus Nest in a scene together? Oh, oh yeah, wouldn't that be wild? <laughs> That's a show in itself. Yeah. And you know all of them sort of playing a little part in the in the growth of the of the rebellion. I don't know. This, I mean, that would be super cool. Every so often, this episode comes along and just slaps you with some sort of cool connectivity thing that you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. And Boba mm-hmm. Fett's coming into this at some point. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. It, it makes you wonder how they're going to fit all this back into in, you know we have five episodes left. I think is it sixteen episodes mm-hmm. or fourteen? <laughs> Yeah, this was... was episode 11, right? So yeah, five episodes left. It makes you wonder how they're going to bring all this stuff that we think is coming. How, how's it going to get in? But yeah. I, maybe there's yeah, maybe I... some of it saved for season two. Hopefully the finale is another extended episode. Yeah. That'd be nice. But, all right. Uh, and you know... I, I do want to say one thing real quick um, about uh, Cham. Like, it did throw me off a little bit how amicable he was with the Empire. Mm-hmm. And his his wife seemed to be the one that was not so, you know, 
convince. Mm-hmm. But how, because in Lords of the Sith, Cham is so militaristic and really yeah. gung-ho against the Empire. And it it to me, that seemed like a continuation like he never was for the empire ever because he's so ryloth only free ryloth um not like the galaxy excuse me the galaxy he's so focused on his own planet and i i don't know i thought it was a little strange personally that he was so amicable but but I get like wanting peace. We're working towards peace. But his mindset just seemed so militaristic that yeah. him even considering peace seems odd to me. Yeah. Well, and because the thing is, Ryloth isn't isn't part of the Republic or wasn't part of the Republic. It's a neutral system, right? Yeah. They only allowed the Republic Army to come there because they were facing the invasion of, of the Confederacy. Um, right. So it makes sense that they would allow Republic troops to be stationed there throughout the course of the war to fend off any additional invasions by the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. But once the war is over, you know, it's kind of like the U S once the war is over, why are you still stationed here? <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, it's been months and you're still here. Shouldn't you be like packing up to leave, not sending more troops and more more armaments and setting up, uh, you know, anti air installations near refineries and this. Kind right. Of stuff. Right. Like, it is very you'd think he'd be much more suspicious of of the empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Marie's right. Like he's he's just full on revolutionary freedom fighter uh whatever whatever you want to call it chem is that in in lords of the sith like he is mm-hmm. all about tearing up the empire not for the yeah. galaxy but for ryloth right yeah it's kind of weird though like it doesn't seem that ryloth has any formal government like cham doesn't seem like he holds like any formal position no. He's general of, seems, of something. Yeah, like he's general of the army. So is he? Is it just like a military government? Because he seems like he's very loved by the people, but it doesn't like he doesn't have like a tight like a president or. And we don't hear anything of that. We see Senator Ornfried Taub, but because Ryloth is a neutral system, it seems like he would f- serve more of a liaison mm. or like an ambassador ambassadorial role. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he's like a leader of the planet. He's just like a representative to make sure that I don't know everyone leaves Ryloth alone. <laughs> yeah, but who knows? Uh-huh. It, it's not as fleshed out as I'd like it to be. Yeah, because I think Ornfried Taz in a couple of scenes, at least background scenes in Attack of the Clones. It's yeah, like, and he's throughout Clone Wars, and yeah, if, yeah. If, if your planet's not involved, why are you there? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. it. It could be one of those things where the story took shape the way it needed to. Yeah. But it it's like, well, I guess, you know, there are, there are different interests. Like I said, an, a liaison or an ambassador where uh, he's there for it's like, like a, it, 
I mean, the Republic is more like a you win anyway, so I, it's it's all complicated. Then it's yeah. I I just wish that we had a little more um, a better understanding of the structure of how all that works. But that's just my nerd brain. No, it just it feels <laughs> like Ryloth is kind of loosey goosey, and nobody's really yeah. in charge. Yeah, and they just sort of go about their business. And okay, Cham is the one taking care of us all because he's going to get rid of the, these pests. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I wonder if this book will lead to a, a minor spike in sales for Lords of the Sith. Because <laughs> man, it it's it's shaking hands with that episode real, real hard. Yeah. Yeah, and only like, that book is only set five years after Sith, right? I think. I think that's the general area. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that and Tarkin take place around the same time. I think so. Yeah, it was, all that stuff was sort of in the same <laughs> general area. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, it was a cool book. I thought it was one note at the time and, and just like it was just ping-ponging back and forth from, you know, the Vader side of things over to Cham and back and forth. But now it's it's now now it looks a bit more of an interesting tale. And Yeah. Things- it has a lot of fun moments in it. Yeah. Some crazy moments, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So cool episode. Loved it. And uh, if you haven't read Lords of the Sith and you're curious, check it out because it is a fun, fun read. And the ties to this are stunning. And we'll see where they take it next because I think we're on Ryloth for a few weeks here. All right. That takes us to the end of the podcast. Covered a lot of ground today. Loved it. Mm hmm. All right, um, if you want to catch up with us, you can, uh, you know, we're all in the Tumbling Saber Facebook group, which we invite you to come and join. And if you want to be part of the podcast, you can always send your emails to tumblingsaber at gmail.com. Would you rathers, your thoughts, your theories, all that stuff, tumblingsaber at gmail.com. We'll work it into an upcoming episode. Um, Nathan Marie, thank you both for, for jumping back in this week. We're going to do this again soon. I know I, I always want to do more. It's just it's <laughs> so hard to make the time for all this stuff. and. Man, just reading it and digesting it and talking about it. Yeah. Oh, but we'll, we'll get back at this soon enough. <laughs> we'll be back talking about uh, whatever it is that's grabbing our attention, whether it's High Republic or Bounty Hunter stuff. We'll be back. Uh, but Marie, where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Alia Morgan, And you can find my review blog at thestarsreview.blogspot.com. And you can find me talking about queer Star Wars at Afra's Artifacts on YouTube. Churning out the good content as you do. <laughs> Nathan, what about you? Where where are you at? Uh, check me out on Twitter at NA. Wow. <laughs> what was that? Check me out on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> look at me, everybody. Look at, well, look at me tweeting. You could check me out. Uh, I'm on Twitter at NAF Roberts. And I'm at Tumbling Saber, of course, and I'm also in the Facebook group with Nathan and Marie here, and we're all just hanging out, talking Star Wars all week long. So come check us out there, and uh, until next week, everybody, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll try and do better next time. Stay safe, and may the Force be with you. Bye! Bye Bye-bye. Sitting here for hours, looking at that child. Pages getting wider like a mirror to myself. 
Struggle for the answers, questions frighten me. Circles getting wider, it's harder just to see. Wake up 